This podcast is sponsored by Picmonic. In 2011, two medical students came up with the ingenious idea to combine medical education with unforgettable characters and ridiculously memorable stories. Featuring over 35,000 high-yield facts and graphics, Picmonic has helped over 600,000 students improve exam scores and perform better clinically. Picmonic has resources for pre-med and medical students, as well as other healthcare professions. Check out the show notes for a link to their website. Mention the podcast when you subscribe. With Picmonic, you can study less, but remember more. The Black Doctors Podcast highlights the stories of minority professionals with the goal of inspiring others. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others, because the next generation can't be what they don't see. Tune in every Monday to hear our stories told by us. Hello and welcome back to the Black Doctors Podcast. Um, privilege to have two awesome guests on the show. One who's been on before, he rocked with us in the first season, Dr. Italo Brown, and uh, Dr. Joshua Anthony, psychiatrist currently in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome to the show, guys. What's going on? Man, I'm happy to be back, man. Good back. It's going to be a little different show than what you're used to. You know, we talk a lot about medicine and careers in medicine and, and healthcare related careers. We're going to talk about a new topic that's sweeping across the country. If you haven't heard of it, you've probably been living under a rock somewhere. We're going to be throwing around a couple of terms. We're going to work to really describe these different terms and break down this information for you. We're going to be talking today about the quest for meta equity. I got to give uh, Dr. Brown, Dr. Tyler Brown, the, the props for that, for coining that phrase. I Googled it, man. I didn't see anybody else using it. So meta equity um, from Dr. Italo Brown, which talks about how we can work together as a community to make sure we're represented in this new frontier, the metaverse. We're going to talk a little bit about some cryptocurrency and some of the new things that you're hearing going on in the news and online. So fellas, let's jump into it. That's right. That's right. I'm happy to talk about it, man. It's. I feel like every day so far... Uh, I'll go on Instagram and there'll be a post talking about NFTs, talking about the metaverse. uh, And a lot of uh, the faces that I see are not brown or black. (laughs) Just it's just not we're not represented. That's that's why we're here to talk about it today. I'm going to get Josh uh, because he really put me on man. from the beginning. Josh has been talking in in our group about the importance of the metaverse and NFTs. A little bit of background. The metaverse, NFTs, cryptocurrency, it's all somewhat related when it comes down to the bases, which is blockchain. You may have heard the term blockchain is a system of recording information in a way that makes it difficult or impossible to change, hack, or cheat the system. A blockchain is essentially a digital ledger of transactions that is duplicated and distributed across the entire network of computer systems on this blockchain. So this blockchain technology provides... Uh, this security for this new world that's being built. Um, when it comes to this new world, Dr. Uh, Anthony or, or Josh, talk about this metaverse. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, jumping back to blockchain real quick before going into metaverse, I think one of the reasons that blockchain uh, exploded and has kept growing at the rate that it has is because it's built on the concept of decentralization. So in society, we've had a lot of different gatekeepers, whether those are banks, whether those are, you know, uh, record labels, just, you know, wherever you can name whatever industry, there are different uh, gatekeepers. And that has definitely, you know, meant, you know, one thing or another for the black community in terms of 
our access to funding to resources or whatnot. And so what the blockchain essentially did is decentralized the ledger, if you will, um, and it allowed people to start communicating directly with each other, almost like a barter system, if you will. That's what I was going to say. It sounds work. like bartering. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. So it's like it's new, but it's really old, you know, if you right. look at it. And what that does is put, you know, the control back into people's hands. And so uh, the metaverse is just, you know, kind of the next implementation of that. And, and you know, another layer on top of the Internet, kind of where, you know, we're starting to enter almost like this virtual reality space where now we can have meetings in the same room with people across the world. Um, and we can just, you know, really start establishing different kind of connections um, with with people that we couldn't do before, you know, whereas you would have had to fly before. I remember when I was a kid, like my mom said, don't make no, don't make no long distance phone calls because it's going <laughs> to run up the bill. And now it's like, you know, we we're, we're past that. You know what I'm saying? So this is really just a, a quite an exciting, you know, uh, an exciting time overall, like the amount of changes that are happening. So, yeah, okay, facts. Yeah, what a time to be alive. Yeah, no, I, I wanted to add a couple of things to that because at first I was confused. Right. I remember it being like 2009 or something like that. And people were like, oh, man, there's this thing called Bitcoin. And mm -hmm. someone was explaining it to me. They were like, yo, if I trade you, what if I tell you that this CD is worth like 10 boxes of pizza? You know, and, and I'm willing to give you 10 boxes of pizza for your CD. And then I take that CD and I trade that for, you know, like somebody's high school trophy. And then I trade, trade that for like a Super Bowl ring. And then the Super Bowl ring is traded for money. And it's like and I was like, all right, I kind of get that. That's bartering to me. And it's one of the oldest forms of, of currency or, or rather exchanging currency. And then, and then I remember that Erica Badu had, was like one of the first people to release an album that could be purchased via Bitcoin. Uh, at that time, I wish I had the insight to just mm. be like, yeah, I'm going to buy the shit, you know, keep it going. <laughs> Unfortunately, I did not. And then so out of that, we saw the, the, the evolution of Bitcoin. And I remember being in residency and one of my attendings would just talk about Bitcoin all shift long. He would just be, oh, man, his name, Eddie uh, Irizarry. Eddie would just be like, you know, I, I just put more money in Bitcoin. I just put more money in Bitcoin. And then it changed in value. He was buying Bitcoin. Wow. And then I watched it over the course of like the residency basically grow tenfold in value. And I said, this is absolutely bananas. What the hell is, is this, you know, cryptocurrency conversation and why am I not a part of it? So that's really what started my interest. And, and the last part about the metaverse that I well actually the transition to metaverse, I find interesting or rather fascinating is it's the the uh, essentially con confluence of a multiple, of multiple things. Right. So artificial intelligence has continued to, to grow. We've, we've gotten better at it. it is a part of our daily living at this point. So when that grows and then the use of decentralized banking and the decentralized uh, commerce grows and then you get uh, technology in general that is growing. So not just artificial intelligence, but the means and the, the tools to do it are also growing. You are going to collision course for another reality. And that's where I think the metaverse started to uh, become what people gravitated towards. Yeah. yeah. No, that's dope. It's, it's kind of crazy, actually. 
like all of the sci-fi movies that we grew up watching are like pretty much like starting to happen in, in real life. Um, Facts. Like I was literally just reading, you know, they're talking about uploading consciousness to a, to a right. computer chip now. And it's like, man, right. like, you know, there's two movies that come to mind. It's crazy. Chappie is one of them. It gotta be. No, so for me, it's surrogates. That's okay. the movie with, with Bruce Willis when they actually had a whole human body doing yeah, yeah, activities yeah. and people were like at home by themselves. That's one. And then two was Ready Player One. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah. when you see Ready Player One, yeah. you're like, yo, this is exactly like what Mark Zuckerberg described in that this is exactly the same thing. I mean the Matrix, you know. Shoot, I, I just got Fair. Matrix NFTs, you know, from this last movie that 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 dropped. <laughs> we're we're gonna get to NFTs. Crazy. I did watch the the late I watched the original Matrix recently and and the new one. And the original Matrix was kind of spot on. It was it was eerie how yeah. how uh how it still lives on today. So yeah. Speaking of, so we talked about blockchain. We talked a little bit about cryptocurrency because it's it's somewhat connected. And that cryptocurrency is this digital currency that's secured by cryptography. Um, a lot of it's based on these decentralized networks from the blockchain technology. And as time goes on, you're talking about talking with your attending. I know some folks may have heard the story about the how much is it now four hundred million dollar pizza that was purchased back in 2010. You heard that story? Yes. Yeah, yes, sir. Dude down in Florida, Florida man, he bought two pizzas back in 2010 and he spent, uh, I think, 10,000 Bitcoins or so because nobody knew what it was at the time. Uh, but at the time, no one cared. Man, over the last uh, you know decade, he would have uh, made over $400 million off of that Bitcoin. Now, now I also say, though, there's, there's, there's all these... Man, it's scary. <laughs> I, I mean, that, that story with the, yeah. the, the zip drive of Bitcoin that someone lost, all of these horror stories. Go ahead. Now, I, I will say there's all these like, crazy stories about people getting incredibly rich off of Bitcoins. But remember, those are like the vast minority of folks in these situations. So you, you do have to have a little bit of perspective. Like You may or may not end up getting ridiculously crazy rich off of this, but um, at least understand how this started from the blockchain, understand, you know, the cryptocurrency as it's coming to become more and more of a, of a thing that's here to stay in the next wave, which is this metaverse. Yeah, no, that's, I think one of the, the downsides to sometimes our, um, the, so I think that, we are limited uh, in terms of what we're exposed to. And the downside of that is these conversations are not occurring in languages in, in, in a fashion that is most relevant to us, right? You know, we miss these, these dialogues. And so it's up to us to insert ourselves into these conversations around like cryptocurrency, around understanding like NFTs in the metaverse, because unfortunately, like, we are there is going to be an entire uh, social stratosphere created mm. because of this. And if we don't you know, learn from the lessons of this particular part of our reality where we've started out not getting money for for you know, things we've historically been owed uh, or with historical tasks that we've performed and didn't get paid for. And we end up being at the bottom of a, uh, a totem pole, a social totem pole, social ladder. If we don't have these conversations now, then when this metaverse kind of gets to full speed or Web3 gets to full speed, we will not capitalize. Imagine being 
in in 1990 1992 whatever i think that's when the internet web as the first iteration of the internet kind of started to develop getting in on the ground floor of that imagine being able to say hey i'm just going to buy this random name let's say i'm going to buy a a site i don't even know what it is but it said just buy this so i buy this site and i'm going to call it amazon and then <laughs> 20 Five years later, 30 years later, you are a billionaire. Imagine being able to do that. And imagine if the person who did that was a person of color. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I think, too, the other side of that is that, you know, this rapid change, like, it requires us to be flexible or have a certain level of flexibility and, and willingness to change. Um because one of the things that I've encountered a lot, you know, when it comes to the conversation of cryptocurrency, NFTs, metaverse, it's like, oh, why should I do that? That don't make any sense. And even for people that do understand it, they're like, uh, it's not real. Not understanding that, like, people are making real money from this for something that's not real. <laughs> and oftentimes by the time that, you know, we're willing to accept something that's being legitimate or real, it's too late for us to find a place, you know, no, within that, that part, that, that sphere. So, um, you know, that's why it's important for us to have these conversations because, you know, we do have, you know, change is what, you know, causes progression. And so we do have to get used to, you know, actually not only getting used to change, but also like pushing change, pushing the, you know, barrier, mm -hmm. whatever, you know, becoming game mm -hmm. changers ourselves. And and it's important to note, you know, that not, not everybody, unfortunately, can um, get involved and have this foresight. There is economic instability, housing stability, right? So back in 1990, if I can't spare 20 bucks or whatever it costs at that point in time to buy a web domain, or if I can't risk the, the little bit of money that I have right now to buy in, although granted, there are ways to buy into NFTs and metaverse at a at a cheap rate. It's it's out there if you um, understand the system, yeah. but you need to learn so you're taking less of a risk with resources that are more or less precious depending on the yes. individual's um, yes. social setting. That's the concept. I mean that that's that is the part of this that gets lost, and I'm glad that you said it because it's about risk, right? And there are some individuals who have, you know, unlimited ability to take on risk. But if you are, you know, a black man growing up on South Side Chicago uh, and you literally been eating, you know, you're scraping and scratching. I mean, just basically Harold's scraping chicken. dollars. Right. Harold's chicken. You've been eating Harold's chicken your whole life. You know, <laughs> you, you think that this concept is going to land? You think that this idea of saying, I'm going to convert my actual money that I'm making from, you know, working as a security guard or working as, you know, whatever, hustling, I'm convert that into some Made intangible up. something and then use that to then pay for something else that I can't hold. Like that, that concept might not land for so many of us, but it's, it's, Again, it's about education, man. It's about being educated and having the access. Yeah, I, I agree um, definitely with the education piece because um, my perspective of the way this is changing is that um, the landscape is really 
pushing people to become creators. Like, you know, we see yeah. it on social media, content Word. creators. And so on one hand, we can talk about buying into these things and that is good for people that have money. But also, you know, we need to be teaching people that like there are opportunities for you to create. And if you come at it from a creative standpoint, you know, your investment is literally based on, you know, whatever your talent is. So it's not necessarily based off of money. So we have nine-year-olds now like that have made millions of dollars from like pictures that they've that they've drawn. And so there's NFTs and they really have to have to spend anything. And I think that's the beautiful thing about, you know, how uh, this environment is changing now because it's creating a, a whole lot more opportunities, especially post-COVID, you know, Work. you see a lot of people don't even want to go to work anymore because it's like for a lot of them, like they got pushed to like become entrepreneurs or to like create something themselves. And they found out that, hey, this makes way more sense than me going to work for somebody else. Yeah, that's huge, yeah. which really can level the playing field and actually restore some some equity in the system. Now, now, Josh. You are an artist of various forms, and I believe talking earlier, you recently minted your first NFT. Yeah, yeah. So that it hasn't. I have to. Um, I have to put them on the open sea. But uh, yeah, I just uh, made three thousand of them. Yeah. So that was that was exciting. <laughs> Yeah, it took me a, a. I'm a perfectionist when it comes to like my art, so it took me a few months. So, so let's break it down for people because this is something that, like you mentioned, this is incredible because anybody in their house that has you know their their talent or whatever, they can partake in this new landscape. So, can you take us from kind of uh, inception to the point that you're at now, where you just have to upload it? Can you talk to how somebody can um, build their own NFT? Yeah, definitely. So, well, first, really, I, think, I don't know if we defined what an NFT is, so we should probably start there. Yeah. So, NFT stands for non fungible token. Um, and when you talk about non fungible token, basically it means like non transferable or it can't be replaced with something. So, um, if you think about something like a dollar bill, it can be replaced with another dollar bill. Uh, but something that is non-fungible in real life is something like uh, your car. So every car has its own VIN number. Like it is its own unique uh, item. So it can't just be replaced with another another vehicle. No, because that particular vehicle belongs to you. That VIN number is tied to you. You paid for it. And it's recorded all over the place. You can ask the IRS, you can ask whoever has your financial history experience, whoever. So non-fungible token is basically uh, an item or the idea behind non-fungible tokens is basically to put power back into the hands of these creators, digital creators. So. Uh, your non-fungible token can be a song, it can be an album, it could be a piece of art, it can be a number of uh, digital items that you created. And the beautiful thing about it is that uh, from a selling standpoint, right, say I did something like, um, I created the Mona Lisa, right? 
just just theoretically i painted the 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 mona lisa um i sold it as a non-fungible token i would get the money from my initial sale but not only that whenever uh that mona lisa painting is resold i would be able to get uh, a royalty from that sale and so this is huge for creators and for artists because a lot of times you know they essentially get shafted you know artists especially um um visual artists they're not known for being rich a, a lot of them even though like their their paintings are big when you think about like michelangelo you know Raphael, all these people That's pretty good. much died in poverty even though their paintings are are huge right and have selling on for christie's millions. for yeah. for millions of dollars <laughs> yeah exactly um you know, this literally puts the hands back into the creators where it's like, okay, I can still make money. I can continue to make money from my art, from something that, you know, I've worked hard over in perpetuity, um, you know, and with that being the case, that allows me to establish something for my children that allows me to build legacy, whatever. So, man, so we might need a little bit more time, but this is just going to be like, really in a nutshell explanation. So I use Photoshop a lot to draw. And so for me, um, I um, draw my picture on Photoshop, but when I'm drawing the picture, I draw in layers. So like I may have like, if I'm drawing uh, a picture of a person's face, I may have uh, a hat on a different layer. I may have the glasses that they're wearing on a different layer. I may have like their expressions all on different layers. Um, so then after I've drawn all those different layers out, basically I'll use um, some kind of program that has an algorithm that basically mixes and matches all of these different layers to create different unique pictures. Hmm. And, you know, depending on the different traits in each of the pictures, they may have like a certain um a certain level of rarity within that collection right. of, of pictures so if um say like one of the pictures has red hair right but only one picture out of that whole collection has red hair then that may be considered rare for that collection so after i've created um all of these different pictures usually people do about like 10 different pictures in the collection um they upload to uh OpenSea or rarible or something like that there are a lot of different yeah platforms yeah mm-hmm. and then they're uploading what, like a and, png or a jpeg or what yeah png or, or or jpeg whatever they say that uh picture collection as um and then uh, on OpenSea or, or Rarible, they choose their their minting date when they want to go live and public. Um, they do whatever they have to do to market their collection that's about to drop. And then on the uh, day that their collection goes public, uh, public has an opportunity to buy however many pictures they want. Sometimes they put a limit on how many you can buy, um, but usually they... Um, have an opportunity to buy at a certain price. So um, depending on what blockchain you use, I think most people use Ethereum 
Um, some people use Solana. It, it just depends on your preference. Um, but people can get on OpenSea and pay this, this price basically to mint it. And basically once they mint it, or however many Ethereum point one Ethereum point two Ethereum one Ethereum whatever, once your collection goes public, um, people can come to your uh, OpenSea page and they pay to mint it, um, which is basically um, bringing the piece of art to the blockchain um, and confirming that they own it. And once they do that, they can choose to resell it. Um, the secondary market is is huge. Um, I don't know how long OpenSea has been out, but OpenSea is you know talking about going public now because over the last year they've moved I think over a billion dollars. Wow! Uh, just from their their NFT collections. Um, but that that really is it in in a nutshell. Um, there's a little bit more, and I I've watched a whole lot of videos before i even felt comfortable like attempting like last night was was the first time me actually like running the whole algorithm and making like the whole collection and and, let, and correct me if i'm wrong but when you're minting that nft and you're saying that this is the one of one thing i created you're putting into it this contract if you will that's kind of verified on on the blockchain technology yeah that says i make 10 percent of profits for each sale is that kind of how it goes yeah and that's the beautiful thing about it so minting is essentially like bringing it to the blockchain and the nft can have you know various terms to the contract so typically what i've seen from a lot of visual artists is that um, their nfts will have a 10 percent royalty so basically whenever this piece of art is sold um, they will be able to collect automatically 10% of whatever the sale price will be sent to them directly. Like there's no asking. It questions. just happens there's in the no background. Choice. Yeah. You can't, you can't stop it. It's, 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 it's going to happen. Um, and so that takes out the middleman. Um, that takes away, that takes out, you know, once again, like these gatekeepers. So, um, there's the one gentleman, was it Beeple that's so like, his first paint. I didn't even know who this guy was before. Like he sold that one paint for like five million dollars, or or however right. much it was. Um, but literally, it's like you know, people are deciding how much they want to pay for your art. Yeah. And then you know, for you know, individuals that you know live in the art space and do art collecting and trading and reselling, um, they get to make their profit. But you're also not cut out of that, you know, as your art and your name grows. So let me, let me, let me get this right. So you create a piece, right? You create a piece that's digital. You assign a value to that. That value is in a currency, not a U.S. dollar. It's in some form of crypto or whatever the, the blockchain you're selling this through is, correct? Yeah, well, depending mm -hmm. on depending on what block you've used, I've bought some NFTs with like with US dollars, but generally yeah, I have too. Like yeah. the sports memorabilia sometimes are yeah, US yeah, dollar, yeah, yeah. but I would say the the concept you're getting at is 
you convert something that you've created into a a token. And then that mm-hmm. token has an ownership ledger. And that yep. ledger is something that because it exists, proves that it is authentic and real. Right. Wow. Exactly. So one of the um, examples that I like using is I, I used to sell Jordans, right, from my part when I was in college. Um, I used to get them from co- from China. Nobody could tell me that they were real or fake, and that was fine with me, like, just just paying me. Like, I don't know if you want to say that <laughs> on this podcast, bro. I mean, I, I was mean, looking for you. Statue of limitations at this point, right? Fair enough. Well, statue of limitations on ass whoopings. Right, right. The people the people gonna be at your door, was. man. Listen, they they knew what it was when they got it from me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I had them looking fresh in college. That's all I know. But for a pair of Jordans, right, or a pair of uh pair of forces, whatever you know you may, if you attach an NFT to this physical item, which is one of the areas where NFTs are really going to blow up. Right. If you attach an NFT to a physical it's basically item, stock you can X always authenticated. Yes, you yeah. can always confirm the authenticity of that. That's item. facts. Let me let me jump in for two seconds. So, uh, StockX, Goat, all of these, serve, and, and even now eBay have all made their their claim in the the sneaker game because of this authentication process. NFTs disrupt that entirely. And I think hmm. that that's the thing that's really we, we should be paying attention to is like how many different types of industries are going to be disrupted because of the concept of authentication or the concept of having a a, a token or some type of a, a sim, symbol that now proves ownership and now proves a, a lineage of that and that the original owner can get paid every time that is transferred. So imagine I bought a pair of Jordan 1s, I had NFT attached to it, and I resold it to somebody, and then they resold it to somebody for more. Like let's say I had some, you know, straight, you know, some type of, or, or early when Jeremy Lorenzo kind of had his uh, his sneakers and then he left Nike, the value exponentiates because of a life circumstance and then the reselling increases. I should be able to get more dollars because I was the original owner. And this is why mm. I think the concept is so valuable. Now, one thing I did want to talk to that I, I've heard a lot lately is how musicians and artists, yeah. like specifically musical artists, are starting to think about NFT. And they are historically shafted on their work. Like, obviously, we talked about visual artists, most visual artists. My sister is a visual artist, Delgrita Brown. You know, she she is a painter and she understands that lifestyle that she chose what's her uh, uh, but socials? oh yeah am original am original it likes like a-m-a-r-i-g-i-n-a-l but um back to i digress like these musicians they're used to saying like hey i'm gonna get a record label to pay me in advance or something i do my project and then they recoup their money once the project sells and you always end up getting the short end of the stick. Well, now we made the movement from going through a record label to going through, you know, independent route. But the next Uh iteration of the independent route is like, Mm -hmm. I can just sell projects through NFT. I can sell, I can split the royalties of my music. Nas just released something that said that he's he's going to allow people to buy parts of his catalog 
And as the streams increase, as they will get money from yeah. a fragment of his songs. <laughs> like, dog, it's crazy. Wow. Like, you don't have to worry about anybody controlling your masters anymore. <laughs> Not like, at all. As, as a musician with this you, concert, Big Red is not going to come to you. Suge oh, Knight yeah. ain't, ain't no going to come no through. <laughs> ain't no more Suge Knight, man. Yeah. It's a yeah. wrap. And, and, and for, the, for the, the regular person, like, just the impact, I, I don't think everyday people realize how much, like, big businesses are making money off of them in the sense of their data, their health information, all of that, that all of that belongs to you, but you have companies like Google, they profit off of that, Facebook profits off of your data, and you don't get anything from it. You don't make anything from it. And so like Atala was saying, like, you know, this has the potential to disrupt Almost everything. Every industry that we currently have. Yeah, it's like you get to be the master of of your own fate. Um, that's impo- that's especially important for for health data. I mean, imagine if if there were NFTs around during the time of Henrietta Lacks. To come on with it. Right? See, that's where I'm going. Wow. That's where right. I'm going yeah. with it. <laughs> come on. Yeah, right. The Lacks family. Yeah, having the rights to every HeLa cell ever used in research ever and being paid in perpetuity. Every time it's used. Every time a research team does something, applies for a grant using the cell lines. Every time. Come on, man. This is this is what we're discussing. That's why this is so important to equity in the black community, because we we create so much and we've had so, so much taken, so much stolen from us. And this literally gives us the opportunity to control what we made. Yeah. The one thing that I think we haven't acknowledged is in this metaverse, right? In theory, racism does not exist yet. But our our, our concepts of discrimination are what's going to embed it into its creation, right? Meaning those who have access to it, those who right. are aware of it. Yeah. As you start to see the poor folk not have access to it. As you start to see folks who have literacy issues not or educational issues or, or, or distance from education altogether, not have access to it, you'll see the trends. And that is how you grandfather racism into mm-hmm. a reality that hasn't fully formed yet. And so I say those things because when we discuss it at this level, at a very elemental foundational level, we equip one another with the words, the knowledge to get involved early, as early as possible. This is we're not even considered the early adopters at this phase. We're kind of just like almost in the vast majority, the middle of the Gaussian curve. But we still got time. We still have time. And the listeners on your podcast, Stephen, is like, have the resources. Have the resources to actually mm-hmm. do things like this and come up with different applications for this technology. So, I mean, I just, I'm just thankful that we've been able to kind of like use our traditional message of word of mouth or traditional yeah. uh, form of communication, like word of mouth to get this to be as viral. And, and I'll say the way I learned about all of this, NFTs and, and, and the metaverse and all that, 
is one, our conversation, shout out RMRN, you know, Josh is always talking about this, Big but facts. on social media, you see a lot, just like how misinformation was spread throughout this pandemic. There's a lot of stuff on social media. You see that I saw stuff about NFTs and then I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I jump over to Google and now I'm searching for a reliable source to read up further on whatever Josh has sent me, whatever Italo sent me. And that's how I did my research. Now there's also, we mentioned to uh, or alluded to it earlier, the conversation is taking place behind closed doors. Now, Josh, I know you are in some groups that really talk and dig deep about these NFTs and metaverse crypto. Can you share kind of where you get that super deep, uh, really, it was, we're just brushing the surface. Where can people actually get involved in these conversations? Yeah, so for me, I guess my journey with, with NFTs specifically um, started on YouTube. And I guess by the way, I, I watched Breakfast Club on YouTube a lot. And I think um, Gary V was on there. So this is this is who I first you know heard. And you got to explain to folks who Gary V is, like just literally bullet point. Gary V, yeah, yeah. Gary V, uh, Gary uh, Vanderchuk, um, it's his full name. But I I would call him somewhat somewhat of a, of a futurist. Um, but basically, he lives in these spaces. People a lot of times ask him his advice on like what he projects is going to be the next big thing or the next like game I was going to say there. I think he's like a serial forecaster yeah. of wealth. Yeah, so he got started in wine, wine business and right now at this point he's like full force. He's probably one of the foremost, you know, uh authorities on NFTs. Um but when he started, you know, when he first found out about them, like he's not the one that came up with the concept. Uh, but when he was talking about about them, what he said was make sure you do 50 hours of deep research. Hmm. And what he said is he dug through YouTube, he, he read blogs. So there's a lot of information out there. Um, there's also a lot of a lot of noise because because of where we are at in like this cycle with it being like somewhat new, there's a lot of projects that are that are straight trash. And most of the NFT projects that you do come across are probably not things that are going to be around in the next few years. So it's, it's crucial, you know, that when you're buying in something, investing in anything, that, you know, you do your own research and make sure that it's something that you really want, that, you know, you have money that you can afford to lose. And also, this is not financial advice, but, you know, it's just crucial that you do research. So for me, it started on YouTube. And then as I started looking at uh, these different NFT projects, most of them have what's called a Discord group. And this Discord group now is almost like a, like a pillar of an NFT project. So they say, you know, oh, well, if you want to try to determine if an NFT project is good, like join their Discord server and look at what the interaction in the community Explain, is Explain uh, like. Discord. You got to explain it right. Yeah. So Discord is almost like a uh, group like Reddit. Or, or Slack. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I would say Reddit and Slack combined together because, in my opinion, uh, the type of folks who use it are not the same as your group me folks. 
your, your group me and, and WhatsApp folks who communicate are not having complex conversations on different threads. Slack, yes. And so actually the, the way that Discord even started, that the other interesting about this whole community is that a lot of this is being pushed by the gamer community. So a lot Facts. of this is being pushed by younger people. So Discord actually was something that gamers used um, mm-hmm. a lot to communicate. So we actually didn't have, you know, like people that we would consider like, oh, super sophisticated and whatnot. Um, Discord at this point has been around for a while, but I would have said that those people are like mainly on Slack or whatever, but Discord is where like your gamers get, you talk about Call of Duty and, you know, Twitch and, and all of that stuff. So the thing about Discord is it has a lot of uh, integrations that you can use with social media and whatnot. But one of the things that they say is, you know, look at the Discord group, how many people are in the Discord group. Um, what is the communication like? Is it dead? Is the community excited about this project? Um, are the developers, uh, people that communicate with everyone, are they active? Um, have they communicated their plans about um, what they want to do with the NFTs? A lot of NFT projects come with a roadmap, and that's basically like a business plan or a white play, white paper, and that's basically the developer saying, hey, if you buy this NFT or for the people that buy this NFT, this is what we plan to do. This is how we plan to give back to the people that buy these NFTs from us. Um, and that's not all NFTs because some NFTs are sold just purely as art, but a lot of NFTs have some kind of utility, um, whereas uh, they confer membership to something or they confer some kind of access or you receive something. Um, for instance, I had, uh, I recently got uh, these NFTs that Steph Curry dropped. Um, and as uh, a holder that entitles me to, you know, be eligible for giveaways, like free tickets, like he gave away some signed basketballs. He gave uh, away some free NFTs uh, from like the first African-American illustrator for Disney. So these are all things that people look for, you know, in these NFT projects. Italo, we got to talk about it. We're, we're three physicians, right? We're sitting up here talking about some stuff that's, you know, almost out of my league. I'm just wrapping my head around. Why? Yeah, man. Why are we talking about this? Well, well, my hope is that, first of all, for your listeners, I, I think that we are um, a very uh, a, an educated bunch, but also with means. And that's why it's kind of important, right? Like we have means. Most doctors are making north of 120, 150K, uh, regardless of specialty, right? And so you, you cross that with the fact that we are more likely to have connections with other people with means than the average person. And so these communities that we built for ourselves as clinicians are essentially like walking, living, breathing sources of capital, right? Like we have a lot of capital as a community. Um, These billionaires and investors that we talk about also have capital. They're just taking current information and using the forecasting abilities of markets Mm -hmm. to make investments in plays at the ground level, at the end, at, at literally at the cutting room floor. 
and they're watching it grow. So when when uh, you know when CryptoPunk first came out, when uh, these these different really valuable now NFT came out, it was the people with capital who were able to buy early and take that risk and take that uh, if it if it flopped, so what? They you know they didn't really feel a loss. The reason why it's important for us now is if we are uh, claiming that we want to be financially savvy and increase our wealth and increase generational wealth, this is not going anywhere. This is here to stay. And so we should be uh, a part of the conversation and not only just in it, but at some point leading it, at some point recognizing that black culture shifts everything. Eventually, NFT, eventually the metaverse will bend towards black culture. You know, you can start to see that when, for example, Nike uh, made waves a few about a month ago or some change when they acquired one of the biggest uh, graphic design houses that has been doing, you know, digital creation of like not just NFT, but just in general things that will be used and worn in the metaverse. And so they released uh, a, a video clip of a person wearing these virtual Air Force, or not virtual uh, Air Jordan 1s, right? These uh, these J's. And you say to yourself, this is a black man sneaker. <laughs> like, this is a sneaker from a black man that is now virtually available and will probably sell for infinitely more. And the person who created it should get a royalty from it. Right? So I say that to suggest the ideas should come from members in the community. There should be ability to uh, to drive ideas through these channels and communities of capital. And we should also really talk about ownership because as creators, always getting shafted on our, on our ideas, this blockchain concept gives us the ability to assign ownership. And so there will never be a, a history book erased you know, the history will never be erased from any history book of who created what and who yeah. generated what. So I, I say that that's why it's important. But also, as, as, as physicians, there are implications for our field, too. And and tech companies are seeing that. The the finance minds are seeing that. And they're starting to con- to get into their little closed door conversations, figuring out how to put, you know, assign NFT to medical charts, how to, uh, you know, different how to differentiate their business model to include uh virtual appointments and metaverse this and having uh virtual or real estate in the metaverse for clinics for hospitals like all of this is crazy in theory until it actually occurs and then when there are no black people involved we're gonna sit there and be like yo it's like uh, there's a uh i know you try to keep it clean on here but there's there's a, a song called uh why he's on the moon Gil scott here right Gil Scott Heron talking about whitey's on the moon. And this is not to say that I have anything against white people, but the the idea of us being left somewhere and everyone else being in another place bothers me to my core. And that's why we need to be in. Yeah, well, they can have the moon, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can say the metaverse, bro. Like, it just... It's just a different platform. But to to piggyback... Well, well, we we gotta explain... Real quick, because that, that uh, yeah. and it's uh by Gil Scott Heron. He's a fantastic artist, and the song "Whitey on the Moon." It, it goes. It talks about the ten thousand foot view where they're in the middle of a space race, and we're putting people on the moon. 
And the song starts out with a rat done bit my sister Nell. And it talks about the poverty, the abject poverty that him and his community lives in. Uh, he can't pay a doctor bill, but we're on the moon. Ten years from now, he'll still be paying, but they're on the moon. The man just upped my rent. And it talks about all the, the struggles of his, his society and reality. Meanwhile, we're engaged as a country in the, in the space race. And we're getting left behind. That's where I'm going yeah. with it. It's that concept. So to piggyback on, on both of those points, um, like Atalo said, as physicians, um, as people with means, it really does fall on us to like create spaces for um, the community in you know the metaverse or, or wherever else may be. Because Atalo was talking about it before, how racism translates to the metaverse. And from my perspective, it's, you know, racism is going to be grandfathered into classism in, in the metaverse, right? Because in the metaverse, you can be whatever you want to be, theoretically, right? You could be another species if you want to be, and nobody right. would know. But really, a lot of it is going to boil down to the haves and have-nots. And right. So, what what access? What what other things do you have that demonstrate status? Yeah, and you know, and that's what a lot of these NFTs are being used for. You know, to showcase social status. And so, when you see the amount that is being accumulated by people with money, um, whether this is uh, metaverse real estate or whether this is uh, NFT art that you can display in your metaverse house, you can start to see how, you know, they may not call it racism in, in, in the metaverse, but it's going to be, you know, the black community that's left out quite a bit. And then the other reason that it's really important, you know, to physicians and black physicians specifically is because this metaverse adoption has really been accelerated by COVID. That's the point. Like, That's the key. 100% it has been accelerated by COVID because two years ago, we were not really having this conversation the way we are now. We're having this conversation now because people can't go outside. Right. You know, and people are trying to like find ways to like maintain their mental health. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm really interested on the uh, mental health implications of the metaverse especially yeah. because we've already seen what the mental health implications from social media are. Um, but I'm also interested in, you know, in the access that the metaverse gives to, you know, like right. actually being able to like, you know, conduct mental health. To visits. go through therapy and treatment. So, exactly. Yeah. So, let me ask you, uh, same, yeah. so let me ask you this. Have either of you guys been in the metaverse? I have not. I don't even know where the door is. So, but I, <laughs> but I'm looking. <laughs> yeah. So there, there, there's different ways to like interact. So there's Decentraland, and there's uh, Sandbox. You can get on those for free. You could just like run around. And what, do I get pretty I much log into like it or what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You create your avatar or whatnot, um, and it pretty much looks like a computer game. It's like we. Yeah. 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 But then. But then you realize that, like, hey, like, they're making real money here. And that's the other crazy thing for anybody that has played video games and things like that. Like, your comfortability, you know, interacting mm -hmm. with this is probably going to be a lot higher because it's like, you know, uh, you've already run around and played games. Like you said, we, 
or or whatever. Um, I I actually want to get Oculus that Oculus Quest. Yeah, so, I want to get yeah. one so of those. I did not really understand the metaverse until I don't know if you've seen the TikTok videos about a dude named Peanut, and it, it, it's TikTok or Instagram. They're like, "Yo, this is what the metaverse is going to be like," and the guy puts on his Oculus. And he goes in and then just this black dude, Peanut, and they just start parlaying in this video game world. And that's what I that's when it really clicked that for so many companies, or maybe for you to sign up for your uh, doctor's appointment, instead of picking up the phone or going on the website and getting a virtual assistant, you could pop on your Oculus, go into uh, the metaverse, and go to that clinic's location, which they've bought in Decentraland. And go in and then talk with, you know, whoever's there manning that counter and or ordering food in that same way. It's basically like a, a live action video game where I guess uh, Roblox or or, or uh, Minecraft right. of, of that sort. Yeah, I was going to say it's more like I, I like that idea. Uh, and again, for for listeners, I know that there there's a lot of digging, but it's about realizing how how much more uh, available things become when you not just decentralize it, but also make it extremely personal. Like we use these devices, Oculus. I mean, there's other wearable tech that is going to sync up with this. And all the wearable tech that we've created to this point is like, yo, what is the the final application? Well, the final application is going to be syncing with this. So (laughs) if you're not if part of this dialogue, if you're not reading up on these things and seeing what people are doing and watching the videos, then you are absolutely behind the eight ball. But there's still time. Oh, yeah. People are going to be taking. Yeah. People are going to be taking mindfulness breaks, putting on the Oculus, going, sitting on a mountain in Indonesia to get right. their Zen right, taking off, yep. going back to work. It's. It's, yeah. it's here. <laughs> for all, That's know, all I'm saying. It, it is here. It is physically here. It is metaphysically here. However, people want to define it. Man, well, well, we've chatted for for almost an hour, man. We we've really gone not even deep because we've just barely scratched the surface of what this new technology really offers for us as a people. Yeah, I was going to say that that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, I think that there are some pretty good podcasts. Um, if you're not following, I, this is not a plug for Afrotech per se, but they are pretty good at uh, releasing information that is specific to our community. Yeah. And there are people who they have on their, uh, their platform who navigate these conversations at a very real, like layman, uh, layman terms normal, casual conversation uh, level. And I think that that's helpful. Uh, the other thing that I would say is we, we've talked about different people to follow. I let uh, Josh drop some of the uh, t- the Twitter handles or some of the Instagram handles, but I learned yeah. a lot of this from Twitter, right? Like actually following hashtags uh, and seeing how the dialogue in those spaces develop. The main source of information that I use is actually from Instagram. Um, and I gave uh, Stephen Atalo the same page. Um, it's called Metaverse. Uh, that's M-E-T-A-B-3, the number three, R-S-E. Uh, so it's Metaverse uh, on Instagram. And I found their information is is non-biased and is usually, you know, uh, straight to the point, uh, breaks it down pretty simple enough for 
um, your everyday reader for people that are not uh, necessarily uh, familiar uh, with the terms. They explain all the terms that they use. Uh, so that is a great starting point. That's the one that I usually share for anybody that's interested in learning more. Oh, let me throw one more one more plug out there because I also told Atalo about this about a year. Earn your leisure. Podcast. Oh man! Yeah. On, 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 uh, and man. I didn't get Atalo to look at it when I first told him. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I was like, nah. I was, was like, like, I'm not watching these dudes sit here in a room talking about owning vending machines and how to get their trucking companies <laughs> up and running and 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 because it just seems so fantastic the way they were like, oh, they were. Man, I'm putting money on Tesla, yeah, yeah, uh, on the, yeah. and and lo and behold, now yeah. I literally listen to Market Mondays every Monday. Yeah, oh, I just I you gotta subscribe to Market Mondays. Post. Yeah, I mean I subscribe to but, their but their podcast. Free. Yeah, you it's know, free. On I like to pay for Market on Monday. YouTube. Nope. Yeah, I've I've learned so much. Really. Yeah, so I'm sorry. He had to get me on wax apologizing oh, to him. Man. He put me on it over a year ago. We'll edit that part out, man. Don't, don't you worry. It's crazy, dog. It literally yeah, is. Everybody should check that out. Fantastic. Well, guys, thanks for coming on the show. Um, as we, I always say, representation matters. Even in the metaverse, we're going to work together. Uh, definitely won't be the last time we, we talk about this. We're going to work together to establish meta equity. Black Doctors Podcast is a nonprofit volunteer passion project with the goal of inspiring all who listen. If you enjoy listening, tell a friend about the show or share a link on social media. We are a small team and can use all the help we can get. You can reach us at the Black Doctors Podcast on Instagram or at Stephen Bradley MD on Twitter or Instagram. Tune in next week for another episode of the Black Doctors Podcast because representation matters.